Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And on today's podcast, our very timely topic is about online lessons. My returning guest is Nate Plummer. Nate has years of experience working online with his vocal students. Now, specifically, we are talking about getting our families, parents, and younger students excited and ready to start this online adventure. Lots of teacher takeaways right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Welcome to, well, actually, welcome back to the podcast, my dear friend, mm-hmm. Nate Plummer. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> we're, we're all surviving. We're all clipping along with this thing. I Right? I, I can't, uh, I don't even have words. I don't even know what to say. It's been a whirlwind of a week, and uh, I'm hopeful, and I'm, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, what we're talking about today is, is I think, a very viable subject and something that is so important. And I want to um, uh, shout out to our listeners. So Nate posted in the Voice Teachers for Young Singers a fantastic post about uh, online lesson tips and tricks. And it was so, so wonderful. It was 25 online lesson tips below. And I think... Hundreds and hundreds of people are praising you right now for doing that. Um, so what's happening in light of all of the quarantining and all of the worries? Quarantining. That is so not a word. <laughs> um, in light. Sean Trotter, please edit that. In light. Oh, of, that needs to stay. That was awesome. Okay. In light of. In light of all that is happening, all the cancellations and all the concerns about social distancing, many teachers are now moving to online lessons. And for many teachers, the one-on-one lesson format has been their go-to. And I certainly know in my teaching studio that I only offer online lessons in the case of bad weather, which isn't very often. Um, but you, you are an expert in online lessons and I love what you put in your post here. I'm going to read this, this, this made me laugh and smile. I know Um, which part you're going to say too. I, yeah, yes. I love what you put here. Okay. So you say, and I have made more mistakes that I care to admit. So I want to share what I've learned, uh, that really works and what really matters to our clients. So you don't have to make the same mistakes in this crazy time. I love that. So you have put the time and the effort in, you know what to do and what not to do. And you're going to share it with everybody here on the podcast. So, um, well, let's get started with, um, just the difference in what a lesson is online than it is in person. And I think that's a great place to start. I think that is entirely based on your mentality with it. I think if you go into an online lesson right off the bat going, this is going to be different because I can't do X, Y, Z, then it will be a very different experience. But if you go in with the goal of today, I'm going to teach this student to sing this scale, or I'm going to teach them this theory concept, or I'm going to teach them whatever, the job is the same. 
what, mm. what you're actually doing stays the same. What a lot of teachers, I think, get in their heads freaked out over are all of the limitations. Mm. Yes. And right off the bat, if you're focusing on the limitations, everything will be different. Yes. But what sure. stays the same is that you're still talking to a student. Mm -hmm. You're still sharing information with a student. And the majority of the things that you do with a student, that you share with a student, that you stay, say to a student, stay exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So limitations, you can't always control everything like you can in an in-person right. session. And that is really, really hard. It requires so much more planning on your part to make an online lesson seem effortless. Mm. So things like a student not having their music is a bigger issue online than it is in person because in person they can just come around to the piano, read off of your copy, or you could shh, photocopy a copy for them. Um, in online, if they don't have their music, especially if they're working on something like um, a school solo for say a solo ensemble thing, and, or they're maybe part of a show at school and just due to the nature of how schools are shutting down, it was left in their locker. <laughs> yes. And now they don't have access to it. Um, that's been a big challenge for me with a lot of the college clients that I work at mm -hmm. or work with. They've been with, they've been on spring break. They left their music, you know, in their dorms and now they can't have access to it. So that requires a different level of planning on mm -hmm. our part to make sure that we're looking at the same music. Other things, it's a lot more email communication. Mm -hmm. You can't just hand things to a parent. But beyond that, there really aren't that big of differences unless you're working with kids mm -hmm. because there are things that require a different level of, of focus and energy in an online format than there are in person. So when you're working with kids, especially we like to help them with their posture. Sure. We can't do that in person or we can't do that online. Right. Right. Like we can in person. So mm -hmm. coming up with, Verbal ways of saying it mm. is really, really important or physically demoing it for you on the screen for them mm. and doing almost like a mirror activity works really well. Um, you have to be really thinking about what you're saying because your words and your gestures matter so much more on screen than they might even mean in person. Yeah. Because they, they, they don't have all the other clues of your space to help you with that's that. A, that's a good point. Now, I want to talk a little bit. I think that one of the things that people are going to find out, especially especially teachers who are, say, piano dominant and are always playing the piano for their students. This is not going to be how your lessons are going to fly online. So what do we do about that? The, I think the idea that you're going to run things simultaneously, whether you're a singing dominant teacher uh, where you sing with the student for everything or a piano dominant teacher where you're playing everything for the student is going to get very, very limited online. So like I said in the post, a call and response format 
mm. works really well. So you can play something on your side of the call, say an exercise, and then ask them to just repeat it. Right. That works really, really well and is a great way of eliminating the delay. Mm -hmm. It also allows you to see, are they hearing it and actually able to replicate it? Or are they just relying on the piano? Ear training to me has been one of the biggest skills that I see go through the roof in success in working online because they have to be autonomous in that respect. I'm really glad you brought that up because when I... Uh, one of the things I discovered in just doing a few online lessons uh, is how much I may have been spoon feeding my students mm -hmm. and online they have to work. I, I think my students have to work much harder. Um, they have to listen more intently and uh, they have to figure things out, which like I agree with you, their ear training and their, their attention is quite something in an online lesson. Um, so I, I, I agree with you on that. I think it's actually quite interesting to see. And for me as a teacher, it was a very important check-in in regards to, was I maybe giving them a bit too much support in person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's very, very easy when you, when you can play everything. Yes. You know, to, to kind of almost do what really good accompanists do, kind of give you those keynotes and those kinds of things. And if you're working with tracks, the track isn't going to do that. And so this is a great opportunity for teachers who kind of do spend more of their time working at the piano with their singers to have an accompaniment track and actually explain the track and say, when I'm playing with you, this is what what's happening. Mm -hmm. Do you hear this? You can, you know, stop and start and, you know, have them listen to the track, share all of that kind of stuff so that they can even appreciate more mm -hmm. what you're doing for them. Now, let's talk about tracks. So you recommended in your list of tips that uh, tracks could be YouTube links. Um, mm -hmm. But or I mean, I, I love Accompanist. I think that's a great track. Yep. Uh, Piano Tracks is another great uh, yep. service out there. So how does that work with your students? Do you send that to them prior to the online session? Yes. Yep. I like to have um, kind of control okay. over the tracks that, okay. that my clients use unless they're bringing in a song that they they found um, sheet music for but they or maybe they found the sheet music they found a track you know or they're working on a, on a school show or something they have tracks for it if I have the version of the sheet music in front of me I can make sure that the arrangement is the same with the track. So in that case, do you ask students to forward copies of yep. their charts to you, of their scores yep. to you? Yep. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, primarily I'm a music theater audition coach. Yeah. So we'll be looking at the same version of the score. Okay. A lot of times, mm -hmm. um, just between what I have in my library or what they have in theirs or um, all of the singers, music theater anthologies, have CD recordings yes. that, that come with them. So I know those line up and I have those in my library. So in that scenario, I will just share those. 
Um, there are a couple other websites that just have, um, people have gone through and recorded them. Yeah. A lot of times if it's a YouTube one, mm -hmm. I will just do a simple piano search for the name of the song and then piano accompaniment. Mm, yes. And that's really helpful. You do want to have the sheet music with you and you might even want to, if you don't have perfect pitch, sit down at the piano and at least play the melody line mm -hmm. to make sure that they're in the right key. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Good tip. That, that, cha that changes a lot on YouTube and it sounds the same, but unless you can really pick up that it's, you know, the difference between D and, you know, D flat, you're going to be, um, kind of stuck if your singers have been practicing it in one one key oh my goodness and then you that, switch the track that happened to me recently not in online lessons but just in my my sheet music that I had given my student um that I had purchased uh was in d but she had been singing along in a totally different key because she found the track and it wasn't until I and it, this went on for weeks until I actually yep. went to the piano to play an excerpt and then went, uh-oh, and yeah. realized that that's And an I issue. would suggest to do that even with um, piano tracks. Tom, is, Tom at Piano Tracks is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and But sometimes just in the mass quantity of tracks that he has, sometimes tracks are listed and they're not what they say they are just because he has thousands and thousands of songs up there. And so sometimes like a piano track will be different than the accompaniment track just because it might be accidentally labeled wrong or it'll be in a different key. So um, like I said, not Tom's fault, just thousands and thousands of songs sure. that he has access to. Um, so just, I would do the same, you know, piano tracks. I know I've even found ones in F Companist that are, you know, sometimes the different key where it says it's the original key and it's you know half step higher or half step lower than sure. what's the kind of go-to sheet music. So I would check any track before you assign it to a student. Mm -hmm. Again, that goes back to the the prep yeah. step that yeah. as teachers we really have to do to kind of make it seem like the online system's effortless. Yeah. So if when we're getting ready for these online lessons, we really want to make sure that we've done our, our due diligence on our side. And then we've also communicated what the family needs as yes. well. Now let's talk about, let's talk about some of the safety things. And again, I am really, um, really happy that you mentioned these in your tips. And for anybody listening to the podcast, I'm going to put a direct link in the show notes to Nate's uh, Facebook page where all of these amazing tips are so you can review and read them. But let's talk about, so we're working with, with minors um, and you had some safety points that I'm so glad you brought up. So let's just talk about, you know, when you're working with young singers, how do you go about setting that up so you're protecting yourself and that things can run smoothly? I start right off the bat with any client that I work with that is under the age of 18 that in kind of that first session where they meet me online, the parent has to be there. Okay. So that the parent feels 100% comfortable with the online setup mm -hmm. and with me. Okay. And I think that establishing that trust is really, really important. So if you have parents in your studio that you haven't interacted with mm -hmm. in a while, because we all have those parents that just drop the kids off yep. and kind of expect us to 
I don't want to say be a babysitter for a half hour, 45 minutes, but you know, that's sometimes the way it ends up being. I think at this point, if you haven't spoken with a parent in a particular parent in three months in a one-on-one conversation, I would directly like reach out to them right away with phone call or an email and just specifically say, this is how I plan on running online lessons um, and kind of go through some of these online safety things Mm -hmm. just to reaffirm that trust. So the first thing I would say is that no child should ever do their session in a bedroom with the door closed um, with any adult. And I think this is um, a really, really important thing, even between, you know, the same genders Mm -hmm. um, of teachers. I think a lot of times we forget that with an online scenario, people get creepy online. And we want to not so much that we're going to do anything, but that we want the parents to know we take this seriously nice. and that we respect the kids' safety. We respect their trust in us. Mm-hmm. If the parents say, you know what, doors closed, whatever, um, then it's kind of on them. But you can say, I would prefer that the doors stay open mm-hmm. um, so that you you know for your own sake that nothing ever kind of comes back on you saying, you know, they interacted with my child online. They, you know, were working on such and such type of song. It got a little too intense, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, So just, you know, we have those safety setups in our studios. We have other people around, Mm -hmm. but in this day and age, people get a little more hypersensitive as soon as the online thing enters into the picture. So that's the first thing I would say is just make sure that you're protecting yourself and that you're giving the impression to the parents or the guardians, child safety and for our relationship, this is how I'm choosing to run the online session. If they say totally okay, you know, we trust you, we believe you, whatever, you decide then at that point how you choose to run it. You can say, I'd still rather have the door open or okay, then they can close the door. Now, Um, do you ever record the sessions or does the student record the session? It depends on um, what we're doing. I offer the option, I use Zoom for online sessions and so I give the students the option to record Mm -hmm. their session on their side of the call. Um, If if I do that, um, I will make sure that the student records it because again, I don't want anyone thinking I'm having recordings of their child on my computer. Okay. Just for for safety reasons. Now, sometimes if we're doing an audition, a video audition for a submission or something, just because I have the editing software, then I will. Mm-hmm. But I will have the parent be in that call so that they're watching the call at the same time, so that they know exactly what was recorded. That's a great and point. I, I think that, you know, yes, this seems almost like over the top, but I just, I think it's, it shows to the parents that we take this seriously and that, you know, in the event that something were to even happen in our studio in person, mm-hmm. if we're going to this extent online, 
you know, what level of care are we giving to to their kids when they're at our studios in person? Well, you know, you, it's just an extension of that. It is. It's a. It, I think it's a courtesy. And I and you know me, Nate. I'm a huge advocate of parents being in the room and being involved yep. and having a fantastic face to face relationship. I think that that is crucial. And I think in this stressful time, we're we will serve our families better if we can have those conversations. If we can reach out, you know, if we can, you know, have those closer relationships, I think now is not the time to go, you know, and hide behind emails and stuff. And I think even more importantly, um, and this is something I hadn't thought of when I posted it, but I think in this, now that so many things are going to be online Mm -hmm. and with parents still juggling, going to work or caring for other children or whatever, kids are going to be online themselves a lot more in the next few weeks Mm -hmm. going to different sites and interacting with different things that are going to pop up as opportunities for kids now that they're going to be home. And I think if we can say, this is how we as a professional company choose to operate when interacting with minors online, then their parents can be conscious of how the kids interact with other online services as well. Mm -hmm. And so that we're actually extending that awareness of online safety mm-hmm. to an area that maybe parents wouldn't even think, oh, I should be checking out these online sources of education and stuff for my students too, just to make sure that they're safe and appropriate for them as well. That's a good point. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the technology. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, a lot of people have different opinions about the technology, and there are different platforms and mediums that we can use. Uh, so I know you've mentioned that your favorite is Zoom, but there are others. Yes. How can we keep this as simple as possible? Because we're going to be reaching out to families and basically asking them to try to figure this all out. What's your What's your bare bones setup? And then we'll then we can expand on that. Yeah, I in my intro email with any new client, I say I set up the parameter for how I choose to run a session. So I pick the platform and I think a lot of teachers I'm hearing are saying, well, I can do Google Hangouts, I can do Zoom, I can do Skype, I can do whatever. Pick a platform for your studio. Mm -hmm. Just pick one because if you're having to switch back and forth, A, it's going to be chaos for you trying to remember which student is on what platform, but B, your technology and your comfort level with how to use that technology will grow very, very quickly on one platform, but will there'll be that learning curve of each new platform. So just pick one and say, this is, this is the one I plan to use. And the reason why I chose Zoom is it works so far on every device I've encountered. Okay. So that's why I went with it because it was the easiest to use. There's no, um, like you can just send out a link to your room Mm -hmm. and then it, then they just click on it. If they haven't set up a zoom account, it automatically has them go through the process of, you know, downloading the app or, you know, setting up the account or whatever, as soon as they click on that link Mm -hmm. and it's super easy to do, um, they don't have to download something, but they can. 
Other softwares will do the same thing, um, but I would put that right in the email. Okay. And I would say right off the bat, do this as soon as you read this email. Please don't wait until the time of your session oh, yes. to set this up because then that, you know, if they think, oh, well, we, we can, they'll, re- they'll almost forget yep. and then it will take five minutes for them to set it up. So if you tell them in the email, set this up right away mm-hmm. on whatever device you want to use, then then they'll just have it and be ready to go. Thank and then you. those devices. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, thank you for saying that. Cause even, even on the podcast, we always ask people, look, don't wait until five minutes before your interview to, to see <laughs> if your Skype settings are up to date. Cause I guarantee you they're not. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. Sean and I have had, you know, technical challenges and, and things happen. So that's a great tip. Um, and, and getting people to set it up in advance and test it will help them and save you and them some headaches down the road. Yes. Um, so then as soon as they do that, they can pick any device. Mm-hmm. And I think picking a platform for ease of use that works across any device, mm-hmm. whichever one you choose, yeah. will make your life so much easier so that you don't have the parents that are going, well, I have this type of device and this, this platform doesn't work on this device or whatever. Um, some Pick something that a child could do even on um, an, an iPod, you know, you know if, sure. or a tablet or something, something that is very user-friendly that they already know how to use. Right. Um, so that if for some reason they are still having to do their session at a time when maybe a parent isn't there, Mm-hmm. they still know how to function on that device that will streamline your process a lot nice. from there. Just have the call. Okay. You know, treat it like a phone call. Mm-hmm. If you then want to add more technology to it, fine, you know, but you can on a, on any videos, you know, conferencing software, you can take the full voice workbook and hold it up to the screen to show them what page you want them to be on. I have you done that. Take, <laughs> yeah. You can take your sheet music and literally circle something in a pencil and hold it up to the camera and say, see this measure right here. See the quarter note in this measure? Like you can be that low tech. Mm-hmm. I have even done sessions on the phone. Yeah. And have done and have accomplished the same thing. Yep. It, the, the goal shouldn't be to recreate the in-person experience. Mm, the goal you. should be, what is it that you wanted to teach in person mm-hmm. and find a way of doing that online? The, the, the objective doesn't change, the how might change. Mm. And you might not do it perfectly, but this is a great opportunity for students to see their teachers having to learn things as well. Oh, which to me, is that's no fun. No, that is not. <laughs> but it is though. It really is. And I think a lot of times as teachers, we have this feeling that we are the keepers of all the knowledge mm. and online lessons are scary mm. because it's an unknown for so many, but sure. there are so many parts of being a musician or being a performer in general that are scary. And they're entering into areas that are unknowns. And this allows the students to not only see us learn new things, but see that we can handle it as professionals and just go with it. And as an adult showing that process to them that we aren't phased 
by this. Yes, we might have hiccups and yes, we might make mistakes, but how we handle these next few weeks as the adults in their lives will teach them how to handle these situations in the future. Well, and And that's what we have an opportunity to do here. And now for the My Music Staff Minute. Hello, Full Voice listeners. Aaron here with your My Music Staff Minute. And today we'll be talking about policies, what you need to have, and how you can enforce them. Policies will vary from studio to studio, depending on your size, business practices, and competition. Your policy can include whatever rules you need to set in order to run your business. However, there are a few standards that parents will expect. Cancellations, makeup credits, late payments, and withdrawals. It's important to keep your policies updated in writing and to have families sign off on them when they first join your studio and after any updates. It's also in good practice to regularly have your family sign off again at the start of a new school year or calendar year. This will ensure you have a record of families agreeing to them in case they question them down the line. For cancellations, you should include how much time before a lesson a family is able to cancel without a penalty. You should also include the procedure for canceling, whether it be email, text, or through a student portal. Your makeup credit policy should include whether or not you issue makeup credits in the event of student or teacher absence, if they have an expiry date or limit, and how the family can schedule their makeup lesson. For late payments, you'll need to indicate how much your late fee is and when it will be charged. This is also a great spot to explain payment options. Finally, you'll need to explain the procedure for withdrawing from your studio. As much as you may not want to think about students leaving, it will happen, and having a defined notice period and refund policy will protect you in the long run. With my music staff, You can upload your policy document and have families agree to them when they register with your studio, keeping all your information in one place. Sign up for your free 30-day trial today at mymusicstaff.com. And stay tuned for next week's tips and tricks on the My Music Staff Minute, exclusively on the Full Voice Podcast. We'll teach them how to handle these situations in the future. And that's what we have an opportunity to do here. And I and I, I agree with you. I think that uh, I think we're going to have to this is where we need to be flexible. And I love what you said at the beginning about, you know, things are going to be outside of our control. We're going to have to roll with some challenges. And I think it's I think it's a, a great again with having that relationship with parents being able to communicate to that as well because I know a lot of families are just going to want to say this is too difficult I can't be bothered it's too much work and then they're just going to say no thanks so as teachers we're going to have to be excited about this new online opportunity and and celebrate it for what it is really yeah it's an opportunity for us not to keep our businesses going. Mm. I think a lot of teachers are getting very caught up in that and rightfully so. This is our livelihoods, this is what we do, but for our our students and, and their families, if they think that's why we're doing it, they will get frustrated mm-hmm. and go, this is too much of a hassle. If we go at this with the mindset of we're continuing to try to keep their lives as normal as possible. Mm -hmm. We're providing something that is far more valuable than whatever we're, whatever we're getting out of it. We're basically saying we still care about your child 
we're going to try to keep their lives as normal as possible. And if you approach the session by just going, you know what, this is weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this either, but you know what? We still know how to do a lesson. So where do we normally start in a lesson? Okay. And then start doing your solfege signs, you know, just do your normal process Mm -hmm. and you will be, I think, pleasantly surprised at how much you can actually do. And the parents will be surprised at how much they actually can do. I have some parents that have flat out told me they started in person, switched to online for a little bit. And they're like, we're never going back. Online is so convenient and it's even better than being in person. You know, it's funny. After the, I'm, <laughs> it's true. After, um, after one of the online sessions that I did back after a snowstorm, uh, several of my, several of my parents, uh, were very keen to request them. And mm-hmm. the, unfortunately for them, the Wi-Fi in the church is not conducive to an online <laughs> experience, but, but they did, they had their doubts. And I think, um, I think that, uh, some of the language that we use when talking to parents could be, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to discover, but at least try one lesson and see, mm-hmm. you know, how it can be a fun experience. And, and I think a lot of parents will relax after that and then be more on board. So use your language well and, and be excited about the opportunity. Yeah. And the more excited you are about it and that you're not phased by it, I think from my experience, the more parents are receptive Mm -hmm. to it. And if you kind of come at it with the, okay, so this is a thing that we're experiencing, but we're going to try to keep things as normal as possible. So we're going to send you this stuff in advance. We're going to have all of this stuff ready. Parents, all you have to do is this one little thing, you know, set up this link, set up whatever, make it easy on them. And that's where avoiding all the extra technology Mm -hmm. makes it so much more comfortable for them. Then they can say, you know, we're going to continue to do online sessions. Could we add a mic? Could we add whatever? Then they can go down that technology path. But if you just say, this is all you need. What I tell people is you just need a device that has access to the internet and a webcam. Mm -hmm. And if you have those two things, we're good. Yeah. And that's all you need. Even if the connection is terrible, we can still talk. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my favorite thing about online lessons is I get to see my students' pets. <laughs> yes. I, after, after the session, uh, recently it was like, here's my cat. And then they went, Oh, here's yep. our cat. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you get to see a different side of them too. Mm. One of the things that I love about online is they're in their space. Mm-hmm. They're not coming into yours. And so their comfort level of being in their space and singing in their space is so powerful because you get to see them take bigger risks mm-hmm. in a way that they don't. So the one way to help kind of keep that feeling going is to say to parents, you know, this, if, if it's possible for other siblings to maybe kind of stay out of the room mm-hmm. so that they don't get a little nervous, you know, if there are siblings that they don't want to sing in front of or they don't want to do their work in front of, mm-hmm. just to be conscious of that, it gives 
parents the opportunity to have that conversation with the singer too. I think for I think for me, it's always been interesting and and very helpful to see how my students are set up at home. I remember the first round of online lessons, the majority of my students were actually not set up properly. They weren't Mm -hmm. using a music stand. They weren't playing Mm -hmm. their music loud enough. They weren't reading their music. Um, And it was a great opportunity to go, hey, I'm wondering if we can create a better space or, hey, I'm wondering if you have these tools available. Can you set up a more efficient uh, practice space or and things like that? I think that uh, that was one of the biggest eye openers for me was to see that students were not using technology the way that I wanted them to, especially their backing tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, speaking of technology, I want to tell everybody about the ceramic mug. I never, I never knew <laughs> that. I was like, what? I think a lot of people are surprised that it's something that simple, but a lot of speakers, microphones, et cetera, have ceramic components in them because it's a great way of amplifying sound. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is if you have um, a phone or an iPod or other kind of MP3 player that has a speaker that where the sound comes out the bottom, Mm -hmm. just stick it in a ceramic mug and it creates like a little little mini ceramic chamber for the sound to bounce around on or bounce around in and it amplifies. Um, usually if you take the sound of the device and put it just a couple clicks lower than max volume, mm-hmm. you can really get quite a amplification out of it. It's hard as phones get bigger right. to have mugs that they fit in. <laughs> Um, I have played around with like the soup bowl ah, mugs okay. for the bigger devices. Those work really well. Um, it, they do have to be ceramic mm, mugs okay. Okay. for this to work, but most people have those around. And even if you have one of the bigger phones, you can kind of get it to, as long as the, the sound is going into the mug, mm-hmm. you're fine. So the phone doesn't have to fit all the way in. So they might be able to take off a case or something to get it to sit in there. Sure. And just to clarify, this is for the student on the student's side to have their backing tracks being played loud enough so that they can sing without hesitation. Yes. Which I think is really, really important. Mm. A lot of times they get so caught up in that the track is loud enough for us. Right. Which doesn't do us any good if they put the track right next to the computer so that the (laughs) the microphone's picking up the track yeah the track will cancel out the singer so having that right there you know isn't helpful having it so that they can hear it is really what what we need to remind them of another thing a lot of people will want to try to share share the tracks over like Google Drive or Dropbox. Try to remind the singer in the session if they can set the track to like save it to the device, download it to the device, um, because then any extra um, downloading streaming from the other server will take away from from the call. Right. So that that does save a little bit of 
of your bandwidth, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, and you certainly don't have to worry about any hang time <laughs> as you're performing. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, yeah. uh, um, any other, any other inspiring tips as teachers start changing the way they approach lessons and diving into online teaching to approach this as consistently as you can. So what I mean by that is don't try to change the way you teach, change what you're using to teach. Mm-hmm. Be the same person you are in your studio space as you are when you're talking to the student through the computer. Mm-hmm. If you rec- if you're showing a different attitude or a different energy because this medium is frustrating you, they're going to pick up on it, but they might not pick up why it's frustrating you. They'll just know you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. Um, There will be times where the delay seems a little longer. Sure. And it, it's really easy to think that a student is taking forever to answer a question, Mm. but it has to get to them. They have to then think about it and then it has to get back to you. And so it isn't that it's taking longer because there's a delay. It's just that little extra time we're not used to. Right. So don't, don't rush, Mm -hmm. take time, slow down. You won't talk over each other. If you, if you slow down, nice, don't worry about dead air. Don't worry about dead space. The session is still accomplishing everything, even if they have time to think. And that gives you time to think as well. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think as a teacher, I'm always, we're always trying to give our students so much information. We have this, this opinion, this feeling that, you know, in order to justify our fees, we have to, you know, give them so much work. But I, we have to, I, we, we're better to serve them with less information presented yep. very carefully and allow them to, to really enjoy it. I try to only ever focus on three things Mm -hmm. in a session. And one thing that I do with my younger singers online early on in our process is I will tell them those three things as we go through it. Okay. So I'll say, okay, and this is our first thing that we're focusing on today. And this is our second thing. And then this is our third thing. So that first thing might be a vowel shape. Second thing might be a theory thing. Third thing might be a performance thing. And then at the end of the session, I will say, okay, what were our three things? Let's write those down. And the reason I do that is online, the focus that you're going to be asking of them is very different than the focus that you're going to be asking of them in person because they have to stare at a screen. You're, you're a much smaller person. Sure. (laughs) And there's stuff around them that isn't normally around them Mm. when they're in the room with you. Mm. Okay. So family members might be in the other room. Their TV might be playing in the background. Their phone might be out. Um, their dog might be barking, all those different things, having ways of bringing the focus back to you and making sure that they got what you wanted out of them mm-hmm. is, is really important. And having those three things as the reminder is really effective. And that works really well with our younger, younger, younger singers, mm-hmm. but even um, 
having that approach, you know, all the way through to our high school level singers too, just to make sure that they are focusing on the content of the session, not the technology, not the stuff that's around them. The more you make this fun and a game, yeah. the more they will stay focused, mm -hmm. which is really, really important. So take the time, whatever platform you use and play around with what can I do on this platform that I can't do in person? Mm. And throw that out there and say, today we get to play with this. And that was why I love the annotate features on the different softwares. Oh, yes. And so a lot of people have said, what if you use a platform that doesn't have the annotate feature? You can set your stuff into a PowerPoint mm. and annotate on the PowerPoint. Oh. So you can draw on the screen on the PowerPoint that doesn't go both ways, um, but you can still draw on it. And the kids think that's really fun. So even if it's just like, okay, here's a picture of somebody with good singing posture. Here's somebody with bad singing posture, P draw arrows to where or where they need to change things. Like you can do that kind of stuff online. You can have them do their full voice workbook stuff mm -hmm. online you can have them even going to like some of the online games, mm -hmm. the music theory games and stuff. They can bring it up on their side of the call. Right. You can watch them play the game. Mm. And then they, so you're, they're sharing their screen rather than the other way around. You watch mm -hmm. them play the game and then you can go, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, that was that one. You know, and you're playing the game together. Yeah. Those types of moments almost make the online lesson a new adventure. And if that's the way we approach them, instead of this, like, this is something we have to do because of this dreaded coronavirus, right? we will be frustrated. But if the kids get to go, I got to do this yep. because of this, yep. we actually increased our value to the students. We increased our value to the families. And for anyone that's doubting whether or not you can charge the same, mm. If you're showing that you're going above and beyond, mm -hmm. the parents are going to have no problem at all. I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the question that I saw that has popped up a lot. Are, all, all these teachers are like, well, should I offer a free lesson or should I discount my fees? Like time is time. And, mm -hmm. and if you, if you send that message to families, you're, you're immediately telling them that you don't feel that it has the same value. Yep. Um, but I, I want to go back to what you said about playing the games. So there's a couple of ear training apps that I think are fun and brilliant. Yeah. And my students, I, I literally, if I ask them to play them, they won't. Like if I say, Hey, you should go home and try this. It's really fun. I don't think any of my students will do it, but if I actually pull my phone out in my lesson and hand my phone to my students, say, here, let's try this game. Yep. Not only do they have fun, but often my honest students will go, I don't know why I've never wanted to play this. That was so much mm -hmm. fun. So I like what you said about encouraging maybe some other tools that they're reluctant to use. They just need that little nudge. Absolutely. Yeah, and you can do you can watch YouTube videos of other singers. Mm. Just share the share the link. Yep. Uh, it, the audio usually works better if they play it on their side of the call. Mm -hmm. 
So then you'll, you're the one experiencing maybe the lag and the, the lips not lining up with what you're hearing. Sure. But um, share it, you know, in the chat feature, most of the softwares have that. Just share the link, then they watch it. Mm-hmm. You don't maybe even need to share it, you know, share the screen. You can just watch them watch it, which is always fun to watch their reactions and then talk about it. And you're showing them how to use those types of training tools as well. Online lessons were great for stuff like that. Yes. I, and again, I, I went through that with my students in person. There was a couple of fantastic YouTube videos where they had deconstructed some vocal performances and none of my students willingly watched it on their own. I had to do it in the lesson. And it's like, it was frustrating, but I'm like, you know, active listening, active listening activities, I think are guided listening activities because our students don't, they don't, they don't consume music the way, well, I'm aging myself out here, Nate. You're much younger than I am. But but they don't consume music the way that us old folks did where we would but buy. But we, we've had this, yeah, we had this conversation. You and I've had this conversation too. So it's even, I think, back to my generation with buying the whole, having to buy a whole cast album for a Broadway show. Right. Versus just buying the one track or listening to it on Pandora or... Spotify or whatever, they aren't listening to it the same way. And when we add the online component in, we can basically show them how we use our computers mm. and do that. And it, it opens up a lot of different possibilities for them to think that the online experience, that we function in this kind of modern new age as well that we're listening to music on youtube we're listening to music on spotify we are playing computer games to learn things and to even just have fun um sometimes i I feel that our students think that we just are old no matter how old we are because we're having them sing i don't know one of those you know 26 or 24 italian arias and (laughs) that they think that we we like that old person music so that must make us old and that when we can bring our voice lessons into the the modern era and use the tools that they're using Mm -hmm. it it opens it up to make us more relatable, makes learning, learning music more relatable for them Mm -hmm. and, and more fun. I think sometimes in online sessions, I find things as a teacher that I, I'm like, why didn't I ever think of doing that before Right. in an in-person session? And I know I came at online sessions a little differently than most people. I, I really never taught in person. I started my studio on, online. I took student or I took lessons as a student in person. Right. But then when I started teaching, I I started because I was on tour mm. and I would start working with with someone somewhere and I'd be working at a regional theater and then my contract would be up. Right. And I wouldn't get to continue with them. And or I would be on a tour somewhere and I'd meet a kid that wanted to keep working on something with me after a workshop. And it opened up this ability to have that person that you trusted mm-hmm. there that you could continue to learn from. And 
it that was the thing that this reminded me of mm-hmm. because for so many of our singers we are that person that they trust True. that they come to with concerns about just even their day-to-day life that's why so many of us joke about needing a therapist degree for yeah. teaching voice lessons and at a time when they're going to need us the most they have access to us right right and they have access to us and that if we show them like, Hey, let's do new things. Let's play games. Let's watch videos. Let's, let's learn a new song. Um, show me your cat, like all of that kind of stuff. We're just continuing to be that person. So yes, you might not be able to adjust their performance. You might not be able to, um, you know, accompany them and have them line up exactly on, you know, the, you know, ictus of you know the measure like we're not like we can go through all of those precision things that we're going to say we can't do Mm -hmm. but if if there's anything I want to say to any teacher that is trying to figure out how to do this don't focus on those things yeah especially if you're working with younger singers focus Mm -hmm. on what you can do yep and then see what of these things carry over and continue into your in-person work I, I uh, as a as a mostly in person teacher, when I went into online teaching, um, I I think the biggest takeaway for me was what my students were and were not taking back into their homes, and mm-hmm. which which made me reflect on my pacing. Um, which re- made me reflect on the language that I was using in, in lessons. And uh, it was, I, it, for me, it was such a, a wonderful check-in on my abilities as a teacher. And I think, I think that we can really use this as an opportunity to become better teachers. Yes. And, and I think, I think again, I love everything you've said. And, and again, Nate, the, the tips that you posted, uh, I'm going to put a link and I encourage everyone to, um, check them out and go through them and, uh, and just put on that positive hat and and just look at this as a really interesting adventure that's going to level you up as a, as a teacher as well as level up your students too cuz they're mm-hmm. going to get different things from you that they never got from you before before we wrap i do i actually have another um kind of follow up post okay. that um was written for um a guest on the podcast. So most people know that my background's in musical theater. So sure. I'm a, a guest blogger for a backdrop company. Oh, okay. And I did a post on Friday about ways of keeping your theater rehearsals going oh. online. And I was looking at that post and so many of them will work for your group classes as well. Oh. So there are so many great things on there that you could look at and see maybe it isn't just like for your group classes, maybe it's a way of creating like a, a studio party, a karaoke event, mm. um, ways of doing fun things in your studio online. Um, and, and maybe if you are a music director, check them out. Uh, for for shows that you might be working on that you can continue rehearsals for. Um, I'll share that link with Nikki so that she has it. But there's a lot of fun 
kind of out of the box ways of looking at using online it. software that could even be applicable for larger group settings as well. I love it. I know many of my listeners, myself included, are involved in small group classes and some of my colleagues in in medium and larger size group classes. So that is a fantastic uh, help. Nate, um, I can't thank you enough. And I, I appreciate that you got a text from me a little while ago saying, <laughs> hey, friend, what are you doing? Um, and I, I can't thank you enough for your generosity, for your expertise, for inspiring others to continue to help their students and to create community within their studios, whether it's face to face or for at least the time being online. So thank you yeah. so much. Of course. Are you welcoming of people reaching out? I am. I want everybody to, I'm going to put links to Nate's company, Stage Door Unlocked. He has so many wonderful things to offer. And uh, Nate's resources have been part of my studio, and I'm, I'm so grateful for them. And uh, Nate, I'm wishing you... I'm wishing you a big virtual hug. Um, please stay healthy, and yes, I will. I too. will. I will see you in the forums for anybody that's in the Voice Teachers for Young Singers forum. Nate is a wonderful member of our group, so we'll see you online. And uh, thank you so much. Of course, happy to help. A very special thank you to Nate for his last minute popping in and sharing his tips and tricks and some inspiration for those of us who are going to be transitioning to online lessons. If you want direct links to his information, please check the show notes or the podcast page. Now, before I sign off, I wanted to let everybody know... Over the next few weeks at Full Voice Music, we are going to be sharing uh, information and activities free of charge, free downloads that can be used in online lessons. Please sign up for our newsletter. We will be sending out lesson plans and great inspirational ideas to keep everything fun and educational for your students over the challenging next few weeks. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing. Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.